one and all to this edition of Dad House. We appreciate you all coming in and enjoying another rousing episode of us all rambling about our lives, and somehow you all find it entertaining. So thank you very much for that, because we are going to keep it up for sure. So we are a foursome tonight. We are sans Jake this evening, but he will be back. No, oh my God, seven nothing now. Glad I'm not working tonight. <laughs> you should keep that in the pot. <laughs> Mike is being distracted by baseball scores. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> all right, so like I said, we are sans Jake this evening, but he will be back. No worries, all you Jake fans. He was he was being a good brother-in-law and helping his family with some house projects. So, you know, he's good like that. So, for the rest of you, how are you all this fine evening? Good. Doing great. Great. Good, good, good. So, on today's episode, the four of us chatted with Julie Vick and about parenting as an introvert. And she is the author of a new book on the topic. We had a great chat with her and can't wait for you guys to all hear it. So, guys, what do you all think about that conversation with Julie? I loved it. As, as an extrovert, it gave me a chance to uh, see how introverts work because they, they honestly kind of scare me a little bit. I don't know what you're thinking. It, it freaks me out. <laughs> what do you think about it, Larry? That's fantastic, Shannon. I'm glad. I'm glad us introverts can scare you. <laughs> like Larry will just stare at you for like 20 minutes, and you're like, I don't know if he likes me or doesn't. No, Shannon's me. right. Sometimes, sometimes for people that are more on the gregarious side of life, you have a hard time processing that uncomfortable silence. Yes. Whereas, whereas a well, uncomfortable to you, whereas the silence to an introvert, that's just, that's the sound of music. I mean, that's, that's perfectly comfortable. Like yeah, right now, Larry's I mean, just looking at me and I'm like, do I piss him off already? Because we're not like looking at you. And Larry's, <laughs> well, and Larry's thinking, I don't have to talk right now. <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> Julie and I were connecting in this episode and it was True. fantastic. True. You yeah. guys were all on the outside, and we were on the inside, knowing knowing the knowing the goods, dude. I was studying <laughs> you guys like Jane Goodall and a bunch of chimps. I was taking notes. I'm like, don't freak out, extroverts. It's okay, introverts are fine. That's what I was doing. <laughs> I say the quiet is okay. There's <laughs> no peace in the quiet. <laughs> the quiet is not okay. Even introverts don't really appreciate the quiet amongst a conversation. Quiet. By yourself is totally fine, but silence or long periods of silence in a conversation is still un- uncomfortable and awkward. True. So that's true. I will tell Probably you not as much for you guys as it no. is. No, because here's the thing for me: I can't even write really well unless I have loud chaos around me. Like no kidding. Like it's got to be loud and weird and chaos. Well, that explains a lot. It does. I got. <laughs> I got issues. Man. <laughs> Wait, you were just talking about before we started recording about how wonderful it was that it was all perfectly quiet no, in the house. And I you said, can write. I said everyone was gone. There's a difference. What you didn't hear is that I had Metallica jacked up all the way on my sound bar about to blow my windows off. And when, yeah. when I write you my best, windows anyway. And when I write my best, I'm at the <laughs> library or something where everyone's running around. Like I need I need the chaos. The extra in me is energized by that. Not this you should go to a bar then and write at a bar. I, I should. I should. I, you know, bars open yeah. at 9 a.m. Beer, laptop. Now we know why we, you write at the pool so much. Yep. Pool's cool, uh, though. Heck yeah. All right, so, okay. So, no need to really do the introductions, but my introductory question for you gentlemen this evening has to do with cars. And I will explain it here on the other side. But, Larry, let's start with you. What was your very first car or vehicle? First car I purchased or first car I drove? First car that was you considered yours? Uh, a Pontiac Sunbird. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Those, I was, I was trying to, I was confusing it with the uh, Sunfire. No, not because that's what Amanda had. Very similar, but not same body style, different. I can't really. I think they got rid of the Sunbird for the Sunfire, if I remember correctly, in terms of cars. I believe, I believe the Sunfire was. Yeah, post sunburn. I yeah. will tell you, I there's a spoiler in the trunk, and the lights were the flip up ones. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, I had the half closed lights, and you flipped them up. You turn the lights on, they flip up. This that is was messing, so cool. messing with my vision of low key Larry. Like it really is. That's why I look at. <laughs> what about you, Mick? A 1988 or 89 Chevy Beretta. I have to look that one up now. 
Yeah, they looked. Those, I can't um, remember what those. It was like. a little. It was a little two door, but it had a full back seat. But if you go back and look at the pictures, they look very bubble. They look very bubblish. The I'm way that it. Sorry, my brother had one of these. <laughs> Duh. That looks. It's, I just saw the yeah. car. It looks. I can see Mick driving the car. It was very economical, Mick. Very. Very, you know, down to earth kind of car. It was the car that my parents got me and that I ended up taking to college. I don't know. I mean, of course, it was a four cylinder. It was economical, but that's just what the. It, it was a car. It was what the so dealer had, and it was a good deal. It was. It was. What was the first car you purchased, Mick? That's the first car you drove. First car you. The first purchased. one that I bought myself. Yeah. Was a uh, a Chevy S10. Ah, nice. Pickup truck. All right. I thought you were going to say it was a John Deere, such and such and such. Well, they don't make cars. <laughs> but if they did, you buy it. But he considered it a car. He would drive it on the highway. I know you would. Get that tractor and road gear. <laughs> there was a road gear for tractors. I guess. You got pulling gear and road gear. Put a little chicken on your lap and get going. I got the Berettas had the the door, uh, the door handle on the, on the top. Yeah. It was on yeah. the pillar there. Mm-hmm. It did get get good gas mileage because it was only like it was only a four cylinder what'd you have shannon i had a uh, a 1982 um ford extended cab like little bitty ranger and uh i you know what we called it the blue cow it was baby blue like sky blue and it had no air conditioning so that got put in aftermarket and so it was four cylinder so we turned it on it couldn't make it up a hill right so you had to like get a little run up which is bad because I, I grew up some in Dallas and you got those big overchanges. Um, so I had to turn off the air conditioner to make it over the over overpasses there. And then it had this gigantic chrome bumper, right? And it was like, it weighed like one third of the car's weight is what this bumper was. It's someone's farm vehicle, I guess. But it worked great because people would hit me in the parking lot and like, I don't care. You know, Maybe the bumper, maybe the bumper was the reason you couldn't make it to the hill, not the air conditioner. Yeah, you know, it was an idea, maybe, but you turn it on because it was like a, like a 1960s Star Trek knob, right? Like you heard it click, and so you turn it on, you could hear the engine go, ooh, like just slow down, right? So, uh, but I love that car. Like if I ever get a billion dollars, I'm going to find the car like that and redo it. <laughs> The blue cow love, but it has to be a billion. If you have like five hundred million, it's not happening. I can't but a billion, it. you got to set goals, Michael. And when you set those goals, you got to stick to them. <laughs> billion dollars. I get a new car. That's that's my rule. See, so, you know, last week I talked about my dad had a '64 Corvette, like yellow convertible Corvette. And I think if I ever was like to come across a whole bunch of money, that I would like want to seek out that car and find it and give it to him. Oh, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, that would be that would be a cool thing, thing to do for sure. Mike's got a better answer. All right, so the reason I brought this up is because we started sh- car shopping for Ella today, Oof. who is who got her restricted license, and she has been hitting us up day and night about a vehicle for her. So I'm really torn about the kind of vehicle because Amanda started sending me cars that were you know, all have over 200,000 miles on them. And I'm just like, I cringe at that, yeah. at the idea of getting a car that's got that much, that much mileage. And it's just like, can we just go down just like a little bit? I mean, so we're looking at stuff that's now in the 150 to $175,000 range, but under three grand because I, but the thing, the part of it, scares me is just like well with that many miles like i don't want her breaking yes. down in the middle of the night yes. and but she's not supposed to be out in the middle of the night this is the other thing that tell that i've you know got to tell myself because amanda what freaks me out is the fact that when amanda was pregnant with her we one of our first cars broke down on i-70 at Manchester Trafficway there, if you guys remember where that is there on the east side there near the stadiums, yeah. like when you're crossing over there. And it's basically, you know, like two bridges. I said, you know, one long bridge there at Manchester Trafficway. And she was like, the uh, timing belt went out on the engine. So the engine was toast yeah. after that. And she was on the inside lane of tra- like the inside shoulder. And this was at oh, like 1130 at night. 
And we live over, and this is completely on the east side of town. We live on the west side of town. So I had to get her a good working vehicle and go and get a tow truck and get her all squared away. And where she was freaking out, I was not happy. Yeah. It was just sad. And so it was like, I, I think I project that onto whatever vehicle we were about to purchase for Ella. And it, it frightens me a little bit. Let me ask you a question as we, as we get into that a little bit. And it, are you going to have the same feeling about Sam than you would at Ella? Because I don't think I would. Well, probably, well, where the feeling about Sam is, I've already gone through this experience once. It's about the same thing as like giving childbirth when, you know, the first time having Ella was, you know, you had no idea what was going to yeah. happen exactly. And then the second time you're like, oh, you're prepared for this. True. You're like, oh, okay, I know this happens, this happens, this happens. It may not be the exact same, but, you know, in general. And, you know, I think there's so a, I, go ahead. I do think there's a difference between boys and girls at that age, too. What do you mean? Meaning what you feel like you should get for your daughter versus what you feel like your son should get. I got you now. Yeah, that's there. That's true. Well, I mean, whatever we buy in true bowling fashion, probably whatever we buy for Ella will soon then be Sam's car. Sure. Because, yeah. you know, if, well, when and if Ella goes off to college, we're probably going to want a little bit more reliable car for her. Well, and that kind of is the perfect lead into the comment that I was going to make, Mike, is I completely understand, you know, you had a bad experience late at night, car breakdown, whatever. But there's also a little bit of a difference between Amanda being, you know, at Manchester Traffic Way at 1130 at, at night and Ella probably not going to be out at Manchester Traffic Way at 1130 at night. You know, right. So, I, exactly. so, you, so you're kind of kind of doing that projecting thing, you know, because Kelly and I have had this. We're starting to have this exact same conversation about Luke as to you know what you guys are having with Ella. And I kind of started off with the standpoint of the well, maybe we get something that's fairly decent, and then he can you know take it away to college. And she's like, she's like, or. She goes, we just get something because all he needs to do is go to high school and back because that's all he's going to be doing right now. And if he does have a part-time job or whatever, it's going to be very close. So he doesn't need anything so reliable. And then we cross the college bridge when we cross the college bridge. See, I'm going to disagree with all of you a little bit on this one because you're like, oh, my daughter or son won't be driving around 1130 night. I'm like, do you remember yourself at 17? Like, I remember myself <laughs> at 17 and 18. And I was like, 1130 was early, right? And I know that... You know, for that's what? but that was you. That was me, but I I doubt that was Mick, and I know <laughs> that wasn't me. I know that wasn't me. I eleven thirty at night. I was coming home from work. Well, I that's when I went out with, when, especially when I turned eighteen. In all honesty, I know Ella, and 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 we might pretend that they're not going to do these things, but I think they're going to do these things. I think they're going to come over and pick up Vivi. That's, that's where happen. I was going. Yep. Ellen's going to stop at Ella's house, and then they're going to go to Vivi's house. Yep. Of course, Adam might be under house arrest and not being able to leave, so you never know. Yeah. I'll tell you that one of the most important things outside of safety and all that is is gas mileage because gas is expensive. And of the driving, I'll say right now, Adam's in Lawrence right now. He should be headed home anytime, so – yeah, they are going to drive, and they are going to go places. And yeah, why is he in Lawrence, Larry? Well, he's visiting his girlfriend. Yeah. College girl. That's yeah, all right. These are awkward. <laughs> We're going to have to have this conversation longer. I know we got to move on, though. We can yep. do this longer. Yeah, we do. And I guess I should actually say that my first car was a Buick Somerset, 1985 Buick Somerset. Blue. Had a digital dash, oh. and I thought that was the coolest freaking thing for a 19... 19- so Back I got then, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a digital dash. So it's so freaking cool. It was. Uh, so yeah, it was a cool car. Uh, <laughs> okay, time for some housekeeping. Uh we are five at home dads who live in the Kansas City area. Well, there's four of us tonight, but there's five of us total. Uh with sixteen kids, uh all ranging in the ages from seven to sixteen years old, which is just crazy can't believe how old they were they were ranging from like zero to 12 is what it felt like now it's seven to 16 that number is just going to keep going up and going up 
Uh, we all live together here in the Kansas City area and have uh, been hanging out together for about 13 years now. I mean, it could be. I don't know when it changes over to like 14. I don't know. Let's just call it 13. Sometime. <laughs> Sometime. Yeah. Shannon, what do you want people to do? What do you want people to do for this podcast? I want them to uh, rate, subscribe, leave a review, and uh, do a little dance in your living room every once in a while. Oh, that's, uh, I think that's federally mandated to do the dance. I think so. Sure. Topless. Uh, yeah, so, and doing that kind of stuff is helpful. I know it's annoying for us to say it, but it helps us out tremendously, especially trying to get visibility out there in the front for, there's a lot of dad podcasts out there, and we definitely want to be uh, one of them. We want to be one of the better ones, for sure. We put a lot of work and effort into this, and we want to make sure that it's quality and that you guys enjoy it. And want to keep coming back and listening to it because I think that's uh, I think that's really important. Of course, we've got great dad stories and advice for all of you. And feel free if you've got some suggestions for topics for episodes. If you've got suggestions for finding cars for your teenagers, uh, let us know. The dads, you know, at dadhousepod.com. I mean, I think that's a that's a great way to do it. Lynn, send us some comments. We would love to get that, especially on the socials too. Uh, at Dad House Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, maybe sometime TikTok. Shannon's on TikTok. What's your TikTok, Shannon? Uh, I think it's Shannon Carpenter author. I think that's what it is. Oh, there you go. Yeah, come see me. I got like uh, I got a couple videos on there. Two. That's it. No, I got like that ten. That does not sound good. I got like ten jokes on there. There's like some good stuff on there. No, but it's just like, I got some videos. Oh, uh, <laughs> I got videos. Yeah, come and watch No, that's my OnlyFans site, where I, I do, I have feet pics <laughs> on OnlyFans. That's what I do there. Well, now that it's all cleaned up, you know, it's all. No, yeah. they reverted back. I, I, they reverted back? Yeah, it's Porn, porn Central again. Let's go. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Perry Man feet pics, it's, it's a good seller. <laughs> do you like Hobbit feet? Yeah. Come see me. <laughs> Oh, good lord. No, no hobbits. Shannon, you're going to be getting a call from the marketing department from Penguin on how not to sell your book. Just saying. I'm just saying. It's, it's good looking feet. No, stop saying. Stop, just stop saying. Put, make it in front of a marketing email. Okay, got it. We're good. There you go. Done. So, yeah, once again, email address the dads, T H E D A D S, at dadhousepod.com. So the socials are at dadhousepod again, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That's where you're going to find us all out. So back to Mick for this week's chicken update. <laughs> The chickens are uh, enjoying summertime because any uh, what I would refer to as ugly, ugly produce, the misfits, a lot of the produce, you know, the, the grocery stores call them the misfit vegetables, goes straight to the straight to the chickens and uh, they're getting some extra treats. I legit thought you were calling your chickens ugly there for a minute. I'm not going to lie. I was like, you know what? That's kind of cruel, dude. <laughs> no, they get like if, a, if I miss a cucumber. And it turns yellow, which means it gets too spicy to eat. The chickens get it. They love cucumbers. Which yeah. one is the ugly chicken, then? Who's the ugliest? You can be honest here. They don't. Ugly? No, they're not. No, they don't listen they to the podcast. All... It's okay. Okay, I, if you have to pull off a couple, I would say Red and Luigi are probably the plainest looking chickens. Red and Luigi are not as striking. Because they're just kind of plain red. So they wouldn't make it into like Chicken Magazine or anything? (laughs) They would not make a Chicken Magazine. No, they would not. Wouldn't get a full spread? Mario. It's me, Mario. Mario's very pretty. George and Sally. George and Sally have some iridescent feathers that are cool when the sunlight hits them just the right way. And um, Azul is just looks so completely different that that she's hard to hard to describe so but she's not ugly none of my chickens are ugly there's a good chicken they're delicious i know all right thanks for the chicken update mick now on to our main topic uh please enjoy our interview about introverted parents with julie vick rusty come on up here oh russ you know, I haven't had much of a chance to talk to you man-to-man, Russ. Well, I've only been a man a few days, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Joining us now on the pod is a writer whose work has appeared in the New York Daily Shouts, Parents Magazine, 
Real Simple, and McSweeney's Internet Tendency. She teaches writing at the University of Colorado, Denver, and is the author of a new book, Babies Don't Make Small Talk, So Why Should I? A humorous advice book for introverted parents and navigating the early years of parenthood. Gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Julie Beck. Yay! And welcome. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining this crazy crew for a day. <laughs> Happy oh, to be part of it. Wait, this. how long is this interview going to go? <laughs> okay, that's just a figure of speech, Michael. <laughs> oh, oh, you're right. Well, I, I always ask the same question when we, we have an author, and I, I know Julie for our listeners, and I find her super funny, and she makes me laugh all the time. But I always want to know why you wrote the book that you wrote. Yeah. So I, after becoming a parent, I think one of the ways I sort of like cope with frustrations was to write parenting humor. Uh, and so I had been writing sort of these short pieces, doing freelance um, type stuff and uh, having some success with some of them. And I kind of had always wanted to write a book. And so I was thinking about potential topics and one that I just felt like hadn't been covered. There's a ton of parenting books out there, as you all probably know. Uh, but one that I felt like hadn't been touched on a whole lot was introverted parents. Um, and so I thought it could work well to bring kind of a humorous angle to it, but mix it with advice as well. So um, obviously, because my background is in writing humor, then the humor angle made more sense than just sort of a street advice book, I think. It takes a long time to write a book. So in the time that since mine just came out, there I, there are a couple more that I think kind of touch on uh, introversion and parenting that that are out there um but i think there's room for more than one obviously but that's kind of where the idea came from so where did you when did you discover like there that there needed to be a book like this like when did i discover that um yeah i mean yeah. i think when i was you know it's one of those books that i think i kind of wish i would have had when my kids were first born um because i read a lot of parenting books trying to prepare i think it's like my nature to try to like over prepare for things um uh, and then, you know, I got like different good bits of advice from different ones, but not a lot that I think talk about sort of the social aspects of parenting. Uh, and so in thinking about when I, when I was trying to sort of think of book ideas, it just seemed like one that uh, would have been helpful for me when my kids were first born and they were younger. Yeah, I got to, I mean, it's been a while since I wrote the parenting book since my oldest is a teenager now. But I think you hit the the nail on your head or on the head. There's not a lot of uh, social advice for the parents in the how to beat parents books. At least there wasn't when when I was reading them. Yeah, the same. At least like, you know, and I haven't read all of them, but um, a lot of the popular ones. I mean, a lot are focused on and you need this as a parent, right? Like all these situations of like how to parent your kid more than like the parents themselves. Um, but yeah, I did feel like there was a lot focused on that particular aspect. And I mean, yes, it's very important to, if you, if you're, especially for the first time parents to, you know, how do you change the diaper? How do you deal with mm -hmm. this? How do you deal with that? But one of the things that we always kind of uh, touch on, on this podcast um, is you got to take care of yourself too. You're not going to be able to be effective parent for your child if you're not in a good place and if you're struggling from a social standpoint, oftentimes that just carries over into the home life or the, the home life carries over into the social thing. You know, if one is out of out of whack, well, you're not prepared to do the best job for your family, for your child, for yourself. So, yeah, that there, there, there's a need for people um, you know, out there to realize that, that it's it's more than just about the child. As as much as it sounds mm -hmm. crass to say that, yeah. it, it it really is important. Mm -hmm. No, I agree for sure. And I think I think that's one of the things I didn't before having kids. Like, I definitely had friends who were like, you know, it's gonna be hard. You know, you sort of get told that somewhat, but I don't think I fully realized how much of a change it is just for your own life, right? And trying to um, readjust to basically a, a new existence. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think you're right. Like there's the sort of, you know, saying the put, put your oxygen mask on before you can help your kid. Um, and I think that's true. Like trying to take care of yourself as a parent is really important too. And how old are your kids now, Julie? So they are Just seven two. and nine. I have two boys and they're seven and nine now. Awesome. You know, one of the things as an extrovert, 
it is hard for me, I think, to understand the, the needs of an introvert. And uh-huh. I'm pretty sure I've scared off like a bunch of them. Larry, did I scare you at first? <laughs> or was, I was okay, right? Uh, I, did, I didn't like hug you immediately, did I? No, not immediately. You, you did okay. I'm still here, so there you go. Yeah, but we had a bet that we would never see you again after that you first did. play group. We yeah. did. We thought we had scared Larry off because Mick, Mick is extroverted. I am on the more extreming side. So do you have any advice for us extroverted parents how to uh, see an introvert and how to interact with them without freaking them the hell out? <laughs> so there's different definitions of introversion versus extroversion, yeah. right? But I think a common one is just as an introvert, you get drained by social interactions and as an extrovert, you get energized by them, yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, so uh, I think, and then I think there's other things that come along with it that maybe not all introverts have, like shyness where you feel sort of anxious in social situations. I definitely have that. And not all introverts are like that, but some are. Uh, and then there's some other things that I also have, like, you know, like loud noises and things like this kind of grate on me a bit more. Um, like a party or something. It's just like a lot of stimulation. So I get drained by that too. But um, so I think if like you're an extrovert trying to um, not scare up an introvert, I think like just choosing how you're socializing with them to some extent, you know, like I think introverts really like meeting in smaller groups, uh, you know, having conversations, you know, one-on-one or in smaller groups versus like a party full of people they don't know is a little more intimidating situation. So um, I think setting up setting up scenarios where you can maybe get to know them better. Because once I get to know people, then I feel pretty comfortable talking to them. It's more in like situations where I don't know people, or there's like so many people to keep track of that that's like overwhelming to me. Uh, and so that, and then I think I think sometimes with what happens with introverts and extroverts is like the extrovert will like ask the introvert to do something, and they'll say no, or <laughs> they like they're not up to it then, and then. They think that means they never want to do anything. So I think just understanding that, like, sometimes they might just be worn out or they have too much on their schedule. And so, like, that particular time doesn't work. But a different scenario, um, a different time potentially will work. And I actually really appreciate uh, extroverted friends that sort of reach out first because I'm not great at doing that when I don't know people well. Um, So I don't think – I think there can be something good about being the one to, like, reach out first or – suggest some sort of meeting but like yeah just thinking about this the setup or the scenario that you are asking them to be in how long should i wait before i start hugging them or is that just a no-go <laughs> well i think like that's a, that's like a personal thing i don't know because i give these big bear hugs and sometimes i don't mean to and i don't mean to hurt people yeah that's what happens well now it's hard too with covid right because like <laughs> It is like my love language here, and I can't express my love for Mick, and it's kind of boring. Me. <laughs> I think you get to. That's why Shannon is literally hugging himself there. <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. He's literally, uh, we're on Zoom, and he's got a bear hug. I think you could just ask, like, do you mind if I hug you? <laughs> Can I hug you now? Okay. You know what? That's what I'm going to start doing. We had a conversation yeah. about consent as well. I like that. Yeah, yeah, right. I do. I just yeah. like how Julie just put into a very succinct definition of our relationship with larry and why he never asks us for any help <laughs> why we have to come and say larry can we help you with this project you know no. i was going to say something but you know you just you just took the floor go for it <laughs> so julie how can we not over talk our introverted friends <laughs> i know See, Larry can help. <laughs> you have to ask us for your board by Shannon. That's what it is. Just like straight up ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah straight up ask. Larry, would you like to share yeah. something? Not right now. I know. <laughs> I know. It's a podcast. You guys are going to turn into like a friendship building. <laughs> this works really well for me, though, Julie, because there's five of us, right? And so being a quiet one actually works fine because everyone else is talking all the time. So, yeah. That's true. Yeah. And I think, like, so that's like a thing, like a trait of introverts, right? Is like you prefer listening yeah. to talking, I think. So I think, like, sometimes extroverts are like, do the sort of like why aren't you talking which yes yes it's deeper than that it's those awkward silences physically cause me pain like i can't (laughs) i can't take it 
right? It's not because yeah. I'm an extrovert because I want to be or the natural leader of stuff that happens. It's because yeah. when everyone's quiet, it's so awkward. And I cannot yeah. take it. I just can't. You can't take it, which it's so interesting because that's like the opposite for me. It's like I prefer a quieter, <laughs> you know, I mean, awkward, awkward silences like are also weird to me, but uh, like, it's not like I, I enjoy awkward silences and conversations or anything, but, uh, but yeah, like I don't mind not talking. I kind of like to observe and like listen and stuff, um, especially when I don't know people well. So yeah, so maybe I think there is this difference. Like extroverts are like, there must be something wrong. <laughs> yes, talking, that's exactly but, it. Like uh, I'll sit here on the podcast and if Larry hasn't said anything for a while, I get concerned. I'm like, are you okay, man? <laughs> I, I keep yeah. telling him, Julie, that if I talk too much, my words become diluted and not as meaningful. So no, that's, that's what it good. is. It's, you know, yeah. I don't want to dilute my Rather advice. Like- <laughs> right right yeah larry so talks say. through his, larry talks through his actions there you go yeah that's a good point too right <laughs> larry just making larry sound still... good that's all he's trying to do <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting so you all met in like a play date like a, a big group play date yep. scenario to begin with and i think that is like tricky for introverts like especially like for me anyway it's like I'm trying to talk to parents, but also watch kids. And like, there's a bunch of people. It's just like a lot going on. Yeah. So like for me, that scenario can be a little overwhelming, especially when I don't know people well. Yeah. Especially in the beginning, for sure. As we've gotten to know, you know, gotten to know each other, then we know who the introverts are, but we also watch out for each other's kids too. So it's, you know, it gets to be easier for sure. Yeah, that's true. When you feel like you're not the, yeah. When you feel like some other people are helping you with that aspect of it too. Um, that makes it easier to kind of just <laughs> relax and focus on other stuff. Yeah. So we were, uh, you know, a, a Kansas city Metro wide, you know, stay at home dads group, you know, so we would meet through these structured play dates and you could always tell, you know, the people who were introverted and more often than, than not, you could tell the, the people that were there to check off the box. And it was usually the, my wife said, I need to come and do this. <laughs> Because right. they just were not engaged, you know, quiet off in the off in the corner. But it is hard meeting people in group settings. And you, you know, mm-hmm. you talked about this in your book. You know, it is hard for people that just need more quiet, need more things. So then you take another layer and you put the stay-at-home dad aspect on top of that. Mm-hmm. So you are t- dealing with crossing gender layer or gender norms for right. guys, for a lot of guys that don't necessarily are not comfortable in, in that role yet, in that mm-hmm. skin. They're, then they're trying to assimilate into a social group. And then the, so you're fighting against the, the role recognition. And then you're battling your own little personality type. Yeah, it can be a challenge for people. I'm sure. Yeah, that and I that's a good point. I'm sure it adds another layer to it. Um, with the stay at home dad, right? And those situations. And I think like that's one of the things for me is I just tend to be in my own head a lot and overthink things. And so and I think with it this is more probably a shyness thing, but I think is like fear of judgment in social situations and and with parenting, like oh, yeah. fear of judgment is like huge, right? <laughs> Around parents you don't know well and like and are they judging me for giving my kid candy, you know, or doing X thing yes. or disciplining a certain way? So, like, with parenting, judgment and guilt and stuff is such a huge thing already. So, you know, and we've seen that, that with, with dads. Up. We've seen a lot of that firsthand, too. You know, the way that we do things may be different than the way moms do things. And sometimes we get crap for it. I'm extrovert and everybody, I just don't care. But I also have yeah. five dads that can back me up, so that's different. Yeah, for sure. But it would be nice, like I, I would, you know, it's not, it's hard for me to just not care. <laughs> like I, I'm working on it, <laughs> but, but like I definitely have more of like that self consciousness about it. But also, it does help, right? If you if you know other parents that are yeah. like you, or you know, they're not going to judge you for um, whatever, or they have similar parenting styles. So. I do want to get into something real quick. So when I was reading your book, a part stood out to me that I think dads will find very helpful. So the evaluation mm-hmm. criteria for visitors to your home, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, w- right. I want to talk about that a little bit because I love the section. Not only is it very funny, but as a dad, you know, one of my biggest things was people coming into my house right after the baby. Mm-hmm. So what criteria did you come up with? How did you come up with the criteria? Do you remember? 
Yeah, so I, because it's funny, like, so the book is focused on sort of uh, expecting kids through preschool. And so it, yeah. that was one of the things I, that really stood out to me when I first, when we had our first kid. He, I was just trying to figure out, like, how to breastfeed and, like, take care of a baby. You know, everyone's just, like, figuring out how to keep a kid alive <laughs> in the beginning. And then, but it was the first um, grandkid on my side of the family. And then, obviously, just, like, our first kid. You know, people are excited. They want to come see the kid. And, um but like for me, it was a little overwhelming just because I was just trying to figure out yes. how to just like manage being a parent, right? And I was like sleep deprived and probably not as patient with people as I could have been. So I think thinking back to that time, I think I tell the story in the book that I, I had had some trouble like trying to figure out breastfeeding and we had to go to the doctor a few days um, after my first son was born and she was sort of like, just tell all visitors to stop coming until you get it figured out. So that was actually kind of a relief to me because, like, I felt like I was trying to, like, entertain people a little bit. You know, yes. like, you're trying yes. to do something with their kids and then somebody, like, you want to see people, but it's another thing to juggle. Yeah. Um, well, and I think my, yeah. my, yeah, my family lived in town, but I know sometimes people have, have people coming in and staying with them and then they feel like they're kind of, that can, that can stir up different things when you have family members staying with you, right? Um, about the way you should be parenting or what you should be doing. So, um, so yeah, I think for that section, I was thinking back to that time and then just thinking about visitors that were more helpful. Like sometimes people would come visit and just like hold the baby and let you sleep and that, you know, that's helpful (laughs) or they would make food for you. And so if they're not, you know, if there's someone that's going to help and they're not going to stress you out, you know, I think people have complicated relationships with, with family and friends sometimes. Um, so that's sort of the things I thought through when I was thinking, just putting myself back in that scenario and remembering. So how do you get them to leave? It's helpful. I know you're going a little bit, but one of the things is, as, as a dad is I don't like, I didn't like back then when people tried to take the kid away from me when he was fussy or anything. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And that's a real thing in our world. And I was like, just get out of my house now. So how do you do that in a nicer way than I did, which was to say, get out. <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> right. Get out of my house. That's effective too. But yeah, I bet you, like, did you run into that more as a dad that's sort of, Oh yeah. I bet there's all sorts of other assumptions about what you should or shouldn't be doing. It is. It's one of those things, all of us, you know, with mother-in-laws or mothers or anything else like that, not to call it my own mother-in-law who is going to yell at me now for this. But the truth of it is, you know, when the baby's fussing, the worst thing that you can do for dad is to take him away for dad. And I didn't like it. I didn't want anybody to do that. I know the five guys here are the same way. So you do go in the book about how to scare them away. And I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to use that. So tell them how to scare people away. I like the idea. <laughs> right. So I think <laughs> there's other, like, it's funny because I was writing it. I was like, well, this will be a joke. And then sometimes people are like, well, maybe you should really actually use it. I, so, I read it as a joke, but then I was like, no, no. <laughs> I think asking someone to babysit who's never babysat a foreign crime baby is the most fantastic idea ever. Yeah. Yeah. See, <laughs> you can. Ask someone to come over at a bad time when you know, like, you know, there's a witching hour, so yes. they'll never want to come back. Yes. I think Shannon hit on why your book uh, resonated with me and resonated with probably what I think is going to be a lot of people. You straddle the line very, very well with the, is it a joke? Is it real mm-hmm. advice? Is it a joke? Is yeah. it real advice? Right. And right. I found myself constantly having to go back and and okay i'm not sure but you know what i get it either way yeah. and, and it and it works you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that's good to hear because i think in writing it there was definitely like some discussion about how like some people like when i was querying agents one agent wanted it to just be straight satire so like all just obviously a joke yeah. right but in some ways i felt like that's less satisfying because you kind of want you kind of want some advice too yeah. um so that's good to hear that it feels like it worked because we did sort of i did mix them so i don't know oh, yeah the other thing that i appreciated that you did and this is more kind of on a personal uh personal level but um the other thing that i really kind of <laughs> pardon the pun here latched on to was yeah, your nah, um <laughs> your uh Putting the challenges with breastfeeding an underweight child in context, because mm-hmm. we st- we had an underweight. Our first was underweight, mm-hmm. and we did the weight checks, 
and yeah. we had trouble latching on and getting the whole the whole thing and so much of what you hear and read and see about breastfeeding falls in the well uh, you know if you if you can't do it you're just not drinking enough water now you know, yeah. I know i'm over oversimplifying but no. you know, breastfeeding is hard and 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 you kind of tackled that not in a super breastfeeding chapter but mm-hmm. you hit it enough points i think that um normalized the struggles for a lot of people so just from a personal standpoint i appreciate what you did there to let other people know that yeah this is a challenge and it can be mm-hmm. hard but you you tackled it with you know with some humor and grace as, as well mm-hmm. yeah no that's good to hear and it it's funny too because like the same like i think i feel like there's a lot of really rosy like it's very natural and easy like it was not for me so i think um hopefully that's helpful for other parents right that's like but it's not coming easy then that's it's helpful you know, for me it wasn't pretty too. easy for us either right my yeah. first daughter was a turd about it and she wouldn't latch and she screamed at mom and made mom cry and then it was my problem yeah yeah i didn't mm-hmm. it was not easy yeah had a very similar experience yeah because yeah, the whole thing so. was oh it's beautiful the beginning and i'm like this sucks this first like two months suck i did not like it mm-hmm. i've heard some people say that they like when they're thinking about having kids they get scared off by all the sort of real parenting talk right? like, <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard but i don't th- i think like the overly like oh it's you know all rainbows is not not helpful either, yeah. right? Like, I think it's helpful to, you know, I mean, there's obvious, it's a mix, right? Like, it's, it is, and you want to get the truth into it, you know, the hard and the good. Because, yeah, those first mm-hmm. couple months are not fun at all. But when I had my daughter by myself, it was actually pretty good, you know, when it was just yeah, yeah. Night. And we've, one of the things on the podcast, we recommend all dads take that 3 a.m. feeding. Like, that's a, a yeah. big deal for us. And that's why. I think that's great. Yeah. So, my next question is, we go into it a little bit, and this is the one that I, I've struggled with, and I think a lot of dads have. So, if you're an introverted parent, how do you make friends? I mean, for me as an extrovert, I could literally go to the grocery store and have dinner at someone else's house that night. Like, it can happen, right? Yeah. 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 How do you do that as an introvert? I know you don't want to do that as an introvert, but no. how do you find those connections? Like, it's a big deal. Like, I know Jake and Larry found us, but they found me, and that make it easy. So, you're welcome, Mike and I are really, really, we're there for you, Shannon. We're quiet. Nothing to do with this. No, but as an introvert parent, the part that's tough for me to give advice to those guys is how to find connection. So, please do it for me because I got nothing. Yeah, definitely not just at the grocery store, probably, but uh, maybe. I don't know. So, well, the way you all, all met, to, you know, I think that's one avenue is like these parenting groups. And sometimes, it, like, I did go to groups like that when my kids were younger. Um, like, some of them were like breastfeeding groups out of necessity because I was trying to figure it out. But it, it is a little bit, of, I think sometimes it's about pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, definitely. So, like, I, I didn't, you know, I was a little like nervous to go meet a bunch of strangers I didn't know. But, finding groups like that um where you have something in common so you all like the stay-at-home dad groups that was probably good because you had at least a commonality right yeah um and then i think there are other groups with other things um like i went to some that were just people in my area it's nice to know people in your area right yeah and then i say this in the book but um i have like had some success too just with online like meeting people online first in online groups and then translating that to like a real world actual relationship you know so i was in some um online groups when my kids were first born for people in my area and some of those people i eventually met in person so i think like finding some interests and things that you are interested in and then pushing yourself a little bit um to meet people that way and then you know like just like your small circles i think you know my neighbors or people in my immediate vicinity like trying to get to know them better the people who have kids in my neighborhood and stuff like that so on a smaller level, I guess, like just trying to find things you're comfortable with and also pushing yourself a little bit outside the comfort zone sometimes. Larry, yeah. jump in. Were you nervous when you first came to play group in Menace? Uh, I don't know that I was nervous, no. No, but it was, it was more just learning. I, I listen a lot more than I talk, obviously. You do. That's, that's very common, I think, for most 
people who are on the introvert side. And I, mm-hmm. so I listened a lot during that play group and, and how, how interactions were going and everything else. And you guys make fun of me all the time for thinking I'm not coming back. I come back for my kids. I don't, in the beginning, I wasn't coming back for me necessarily. I was coming back for my kids because my kids needed that out. They needed something more than just me. They needed their friends. And so I had to put myself outside of my comfort zone for them. And then, then it developed into what we have today, which is I'd, now I go for me. Yeah, because I kind of heard that you just said you didn't like Mick and me when you first met us. That's what I heard. Oh no, I like I like Mick just fine. I just heard him say he likes me. Because <laughs> I know we've I know we've had so many guys come in, and there's always the the, the difference between making them feel welcome and uh, giving them opportunity to keep going and not overwhelming them, which the truth of it is I can be overwhelming and I can be a touch mm-hmm. much. And so that's one of the things I'm trying to take away from your book is how to understand that side so I don't freak people out. I'm like the opposite of Larry. I never shut up. You know, I, and, and Julie, you touched on this a little bit, but I think, Shannon, just in general, just striking up a conversation and not being overbearing with the conversation and expecting too much, but just keeping that conversation going and then asking later on again for to go out or you know meet out or things like that up the introverted side mm-hmm. of people. That's good because we when a new guy would leave, we would always give him like my phone number, and I would text him or Mick would, and we would check up on mm-hmm. him a little yeah. bit to see if they're doing mm-hmm. okay. Okay, well, I don't feel so bad now. About and that. I, I think that's good. Like for me, like I think that's another introvert thing, and it's true for me. Is like I prefer. I would prefer texting with someone over talking to them on the phone, you know? So I think sometimes like you can even build a relationship a little bit that way. Right. Like, yeah. and that's yeah. great if you're like text, you know, just, just give them an outlet and then, um, or reaching out and asking how they're doing. And then I think text people, like I feel more comfortable in writing just cause I can sort of think about things before I, um, before I, I say that. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. So like, I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've thought about that a lot. Like, I feel like I'm glad I have texting. Like, when I was a parent at the time where I just had to, like, cold call someone's landline. (laughs) I'm actually told to shut up sometimes. I I never, I'm just (laughs) text talk. Mick, you remember at the very beginning when Mick and I first met? There are times we have, like, an hour of conversation on the phone. Will we not, Mick? Remember that? Yeah. It's very romantic. Yeah, I used to, anyone who Mick talks to on the phone has an hour of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that in my own way. Larry got to the point. See, those words carry more weight. <laughs> I had a couple of questions real quick, and I have to give my wife credit for this question because I was, uh, I was asking her, I was like, so what do you think we should ask about this? She said, how do you respect introverts but not excluding them at the same time? Oh, that's good. Okay, yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's like a there's a bunch of introvert memes on the internet that are like, I want to be asked, but I'm still going to say no. <laughs> like, you know, right? Exactly. So I feel like that gets in the crux of it is like that you you still want to be like asked to do something, even if you don't always say yes to it, uh, and if you you know, if you say no once, then like, hopefully that doesn't mean you you never get asked again, I think. So, and then I think just like, we kind of touched on this, but just like meeting them where they're at sort of a situation that they might want to be more likely to want to participate in. So like a one-on-one, you know, going out for a meal or a drink or something, one-on-one or in a small group versus like, you know, a huge sort of party event, I think, or situations where they might be more likely to attend and then um yeah i think just just still asking even if (laughs) i sometimes say no i was just gonna say i think often for me anyway it helps to have an activity involved whether it's it's an activity that that the introvert uh, is excited about or enjoys doing Mm -hmm. oh no i think that's a good point just to give you something right also because it's not necessarily all about the one-on-one conversation at that point you there are other activities so mm-hmm. if you do have that that silence the dreaded silence as shannon might call it uh, mm-hmm. it's not just silence it's silence because of an activity you're 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 playing a game or something something along those lines that's a good point and maybe that's a good way to sort of make it more comfortable for extroverts too who are yeah. uncomfortable with 
silence. It's like, well, you can focus on something else, right? Yeah. Are there a lot of misconceptions in terms of introverts? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one is like, and it's I, in the book, I sort of, t I'm both of these things. So in the book, I definitely touch on things that are both like more shyness or social anxiety and introversion. But I think, I think some introverts are sort of like calm introverts. They're not necessarily anxious, but they just prefer like a quieter environment and they get drained by social act interaction. So I think, well, you know, I, I mix the two a bit in the book because I think I'm both and I think some, some introverts are, but um, some are like not nervous or anxious going to a social event, but they uh, just need some time to like regain energy and recover after, after socializing or things like that. So I feel like that's probably maybe the biggest one. Um, and then I think sometimes, I think we've touched on this a bit, but if you don't talk that much, I think people think something, you know, something's yep. wrong or, uh, or you or or you're standoffish, you know, sometimes it's not that you don't want to talk that you just, but you just like, don't know how to end up the conversation or you just would rather kind of like hang back and listen more. So I think, yeah, I think those, those are some of the assumptions. That makes sense because sometimes I really have thought about some of those guys in the corner and I'm like, are they having a good time? Do they hate me? I was concerned that Larry maybe didn't like me at first, you know, cause yeah. it's not very talky, but he kept showing up. Um, right. And the weird thing as an extrovert, the more I'm comfortable with you, the quieter I will get, you know, to we, the point oh, where you yeah. have those silences. It's the exact opposite where no introvert will kind of come out more. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. And maybe, and like for me, like if I'm in the corner, if I'm the one in the corner, cause I don't know people, I, I appreciate when people come up and like talk to me because I'm not good at doing that. So I think like for me at least, yeah. like, you know, I, I would not mind if Shannon came to, to chat with me That's, at an event. You might. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe I'd regret that. By the end of the conversation, you'll probably <laughs> Probably. Like, it's not. Yeah. But I guess that's one, like, a group that meets regularly. If someone keeps coming back, then they're getting something out of it. Right, you know? right. Or that's right. And often, introverts need less input to get as much out as you do. We don't need to be actively involved as much to get the same mm -hmm. benefits that you that you would get. I do, yeah. And that, that's a very true statement. And for my own dad's here listening how I met Julie, it was legit me emailing her saying, this is awesome, how'd you do this? That was basically the gist of the email. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, so Shannon reached out to me, which, like, I might, I'm better at reaching out via email or, you know, social media if I sort of feel like I know people. But, yeah, but I don't know that I would have done it necessarily. And so, and, and I appreciated it, cause, like, it's been helpful to talk about writing stuff and well as an extra after i do stuff like that or someone i admire or uh, really enjoy like it was with you and your writing you know it's i hit send and i don't think about it until an hour later i'm like it probably was a little forceful on that you know? <laughs> yeah i would like think about it beforehand a nope. lot whether i should do it or not but then i would also ruminate it for about it for a while afterwards probably of like oh should i have done that maybe i shouldn't have done that but do you don't you like maybe think about it for a bit but then it's gone yeah it goes pretty quick like before i do stuff like that it's literally a thought for like a second and it's like they're awesome i'm gonna let them know mm -hmm. and that's it that's what i do it's yeah, that yeah. quick and then afterwards i sometimes worry i've made an ass of myself or I've come on too strong because it really is you know hey we're best friends now that's what yeah, I'm right. i do that literally with everybody like and some people are not like that. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's good, too, like, to not, I mean, I'm too far on the other end where I, like, don't do things because I'm busy, like, overthinking whether I should do them. So, you know. So what are your best middle. excuses to get out of stuff? Like, let's go there. Like, what have you told people? Or give us the secrets. I think, like, kids are, like, the ultimate excuse, right? Like, they, um. Oh, yeah. You, like, once you have a kid, like, they're often in activities or when the kid is young, they have a nap time or they have, you know, different things they can and can't do. So I think definitely just like, you, you know, using your kid as an excuse is, is probably one of the top ones. And then you know, I've tried, I'm, I'm trying to get better about just being honest. It's like, I can't, I can't be too overscheduled. It's sort of just like too much for me. Um, so even not <laughs> just giving the real, the real answer and not the excuse sometimes but yeah just being too tired you're always tired right yeah <laughs> you can't do anything that uh, past 7 p.m i don't know <laughs> uh those sorts of things are you trying to be like too brutally honest where it's embarrassing like nope can't go gotta poop 
Yeah. I usually don't do that. <laughs> but that's an option. <laughs> I've legit done that. Yeah. <laughs> Probably to Mike. <laughs> yeah. Probably to all of us. Fully, fully honest. Brutal honesty is another option. <laughs> but, you know, my, my embarrassing factor is so low anyway that having kids, it just doesn't matter anymore. I don't think I can be embarrassed by them. You know, they've done terrible Yeah, stuff. I know. Like, yeah, I think get over a lot of the stuff that you. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, you know what? This is it. Because yeah. you talk about in your book about those, those one in the toddler years, those public meltdowns. Right. Those don't bother me. Yeah, <laughs> like, they don't. Be, you don't feel like like worried no. about what, yeah. yeah. I would be like, all right, we're going to do this. And I've actually, the, one, the story that comes to head is we were in a shop and my son, he was like two, wanted something. And it was something stupid, like a glass plate. Mm-hmm. Right. It was one of those things. Right. It had a complete meltdown in the line. And there was like right. 20 people. Right. And I stood up and I was sitting there and I turned around and I said, Hey, we're all gonna go through this real quick. Sorry about that. I like told everyone Yeah, that's awesome. And we just let it happen. Yeah. Um but I don't think the introvert would do that as much. Yeah. Right? No, I think I'm too like focused on, you know, trying to <laughs> get <laughs> them out of the situation or get them to calm down. But that's like a good way to handle it. It's funny too, because and then maybe I said this in the book. I know I wrote another essay about it, but um I think I talked about this in a book, but when the first plane ride I took with my first son, he just was like, he was a baby and just had a screaming yeah. crying meltdown. And then the plane backed away from the gate and then there was a mechanical problem. And so we were just like stuck at the gate and we couldn't do anything. First plane ride with a kid, you're kind of like stressed out anyway. And that was like the worst possible scenario. Yeah. But then as we were getting off the plane, one of the moms was like, we've all been there. And that was like super helpful. You know, it's just like, yeah. you know, other parents have been there. So you, and it was actually just like nice of her. Cause a lot of times I think when stuff like that happens, people are just like averting their eyes, like, <laughs> like pretending, but it's not like, I do appreciate knowing, you know, seeing other parents, you know, they've all been through it. Like, you know, everybody's kid doesn't melt down sometimes. And, but I think, I think that's good too, to just turn around and acknowledge it. Like, just acknowledge it and like, okay, we're, we're bonding now. And that's what I look for those bonding moments. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whenever we do these interviews, I know there's, there's always one question that we don't ask that you wish we did. What question do you want to answer that you're never asked? Oh, putting me on the spot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't actually think of one. Oh, um, that's okay. That's totally yeah. That's fine. That yeah. means we did a good job. So what that means now is that, Shannon, it is time for the Dad House Five. <laughs> so, Julie, we're going to check your dadness. We do this with okay. Okay. We have on here, okay? We're no going to check your dadness. So we're gonna, we got five questions, and you, you, you got some guys here that can help you out with answers, okay? Okay. All right. Number question number one of Dad House Five is, what is the appropriate number of cargo pants? Or, Shorts on cargo pants. So, let's try that one more time. Try that question one more time. What's the number? Jesus Christ. How many pockets should cargo pants have? Thank you, man. How many pockets should cargo pants or shorts have? Oh, okay. I kind of feel like it's like as many as possible, but um, I don't know what the standard is. I'm going to say 10. I like that answer as many as possible. I think that's the new right answer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down with that. As many as possible. I like that. I still like my solid answer always at six. Because then you get too many, then you have too many pockets, then you can't remember Uh, where you put the stuff, and then it's your problem. Okay. Tankless. Mick has both. Yeah. Depends on which yeah. One 
I think we, we have a family cabin like up in Colorado, so up in mountains, which is good because you know nothing freezes. But um, that's true. But they, but you're right. It depends on the situation. What the dads want you to know is you should have a personal, intimate relationship with your water heater. All right, guys? Oh, really? <laughs> it gets weird. It gets weird. All right, question number three. In an imagine, imaginary tea party, who is third first? Um, I do not know. I'm going to go with the oldest person. Okay. What's the right Makes answer? Sense. Is there an answer? No. No? There's no, no. There's no wrong answer. There's no there's wrong, wrong answer. answer. That's all. I don't think there's even been a bad answer. It's imaginary tea party. You do what you want. <laughs> you can make your own rules. Right? That's right. <laughs> all right, question number four. What is man glitter? Oh. I don't know. Who's going to help her? Sorry. Glitter? Uh, uh, no. Sawdust. Oh. Because it gets everywhere? Glitters. Gotcha. Yes. That too. Yeah. yeah. Is that like a is that like a dad house thing or is that like a like a nope. No? Nope? It's like a thing. It's like a dad thing. Clearly not a dad thing. Alright. Question five, our last question. You're doing good, Julie. Um, what is the airspeed of an unladen swallow? I I do not know, but it's slower than uh one with a coconut, right? <laughs> You know what? That's actually, I like that answer. You, you, you did well on that one. You need a reference. You, 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 you Is there an it. answer, though? Or that there, none of these have an answer. You like how I like one no. to be an answer. No. Is there, there probably is an answer, right? The answer is, is it African or European? Oh, uh, so you just have to. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a Monty Python joke, so yeah. we go with that. To check you, your dentist. You just have to know the um, actual line. Exactly. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Not a, what if someone, does anyone know the velocity? You know what? We have actually looked it up, and I can't remember, but our kids are way into animals a lot more. They like, didn't look, look it up, Mac? I'm sure you did. I know, I bet. Like, my kids would like to look it up, too. Was, like, you know what? Tell Luke we need it for the show notes and make it happen. There we go. We'll do that. Well, we don't want to put the answer out there, then everybody's no. I know. Gonna look it up. Oh, sure. Yeah, don't look it up. Don't okay. Look That's the Dad House Top 5. Julie, thank you so much for coming on today and talking about introvert parents with us because I have a hard time with it. Yeah. And Mike, I'll let you take us away with the book because I have a copy of the book right here. I have yeah. a copy. It is super funny. It is a great read of practical advice told, like, at least that I love, that for dads, when you use humor to get through the advice, it works better for me. So I love the book. So everyone okay. go by. Thanks so much. And thanks and for having me on. Julie, let everybody know where you can find you on social media. Yeah, sure. So um, I have a website that's just juliavic.com and that'll like link you to the social media. But I'm on Twitter at Vic Julie and Instagram at juliavicwriter. Those are the sort of main ones. Um, and then I've got a newsletter on my website too. You can sign up for for keeping up to date with me and other other funny stuff and where can they buy your book julie oh wherever books are sold <laughs> um, yeah, you get to say the line <laughs> yeah yeah so you know where to buy books right but um the usual places amazon bookshop um any of the online places and then you can always request it through your local indie bookstore to go that's fantastic well thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me can we give her applause now we never yeah. Yeah. Larry didn't I clap. I did clap. I was low. I'm trying to be quiet. Otherwise, it would bark. It was not loud enough, Larry. <laughs> Larry introverted clap. <laughs> See, you guys want him to be louder. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that. Being me, I know Julie doesn't need that either. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Good answer, Larry. Very good answer. All right. Thank you, Julie, for coming. Well, I better get a move on if I want to get us out of here by dark. Good talk, son. Okay, that was our interview with Julie Vick. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I thought it was extremely informative. She was great. She had a lot of great personality. She definitely didn't seem like an introvert to me. I don't know about you guys. There were parts. I could, she was sweating a little bit. <laughs> well, it was hot. It is. I think it was the dead house questions. I like those, though. <laughs> yes. Uh, but definitely brought up a lot of good topics in general. Yep. And her book's great. Her book's absolutely fantastic. Go buy it. Yes, please do. Larry, what do you think? 
as our resident expert. I'm an expert at everything. So what are you referring to? Not for Chris. The awkward <laughs> silence. <laughs> <laughs> Julie was great. Julie did a great job. Her book is fantastic. She has a lot of useful, helpful tips to uh, get out there and, and, and get to know introverts no matter where you're coming from. Thanks again to Julie for joining us. She was great. We enjoyed it. Once again, if you got a topic idea for us, hit us up at the dads at dadhousepod.com, socials at dadhousepod, like, rate, review the podcast, blah, all that crap. I hope you guys all have a great evening. Thank you very much for joining us all. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Dad, going to make it all 220? Yeah, 220, 221, whatever it takes.